بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا تھرڈ آف اپریل ان دا ایئر ٹو We moved on to the 12th blessed day of the holy month of Ramadan. And I've reached verse 8 of Surah Al-Maidah. So inshallah going through up to and including verse 11. So verse 8. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. O you who believe, stand out firmly for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as witnesses to fair dealing. And let not the hatred of others make you to swerve to wrong and depart from justice. Be just. That is nearer to taqwa. And fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well acquainted with all that you do. So again, going back to verse 2. This is in reference to the passage at the end of verse 2. The Almighty and Glorious, he mentions, Let not the hatred of some people in shooting you out from the sacred masjid lead you to transgression. Help one another in bir and taqwa. And I mentioned that this portion was revealed. The hadith is in Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Jalil, Ibn Katir's tafsir, where Zayd Ibn Aslam, he relates, that the Prophet ﷺ and the companions were in Al-Hudaybiyah and they were prevented from doing the Umrah. When the idolaters were heading towards to perform their Umrah, some of the companions thought, we will prevent them just as they have prevented us. Upon which Allah Ta'ala revealed this portion. So Allah Ta'ala was mentioning, do not let hated some people lead you into transgression. So here in verse 8, Allah Ta'ala reminds them again, Let not the hatred of others make you swerve to wrong and depart from justice. To do justice and act righteously in a favorable or neutral atmosphere is meritorious enough. But the real test comes when you have to do justice to people who hate you or to whom you have an aversion. But no less is required of you by the higher moral law. So Allah Ta'ala is mentioning this is the believer. He sets the standard. You know, no eye for an eye as they say. You know, we are the ones who set the standard. So even though they've wronged us, we should set the bar higher and not repay that eye if there's goodness in this. And also no justice. There's a passage In Surah 49 verse 9, Surah Hujarat. So in Surah 49 verse 9, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions in that blessed verse at the end, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُقْسِدِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who are fair and just. So those who are just, Allah ta'ala loves those people. And there's a hadith in Nasai, number 5917, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Jarir. Our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Verily, Muqsitina, the just in this life, will be on podiums made of pearls before Ar-Rahman and on account of their fairness in this life. Subhanallah. 
So if you have that quality of being just and fair, on the day of judgment you'll be sitting on pearls, a perdium of pearl near the Almighty and Glorious. Meaning you're going to be honored by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note Allah Ta'ala loves the one who is just and also you are honored on the day of resurrection. But not only this, in another passage of the Quran, in Surah 16 verse 90, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He mentions, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأَمَرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enjoins upon you justice and excellence. And this is the rare place in the Quran where Allah Ta'ala mentions something even before Ihsan. In the famous hadith of Jibreel والسلام, when he was questioning the Prophet وسلم, what, is, what is Iman? What is Islam? What is Ihsan? Ihsan is the highest grade of Iman. The Quran says, Verily Allah Ta'ala enjoins upon you adl, justice. Then he mentions Ihsan. So why does Allah Ta'ala even elevate this above Ihsan? Because this is what truly makes the person special in the sight, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah in Majmu Fatawa, he said, wherever there is Adl, there is rule. So wherever there is justice, Allah Ta'ala gives them authority. So now if you look in the world per se, where is authority? It's with the non-Muslims. Why is authority with the non-Muslims? Because you can get justice. In this part of the world that we live in, you got free. You know, if you can't afford, you know, help, they will give you help in terms of getting justice. Yeah, you go to the Muslim lands, have they got that quality? No, you can bribe. Of course, bribery is also here, but it's more rampant in the Muslim lands. So why is authority with the non-Muslims? Because of other. Then Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah also said, wherever there's other, there's wealth. So where is wealth found? Where are the people more prosperous? The fact that we migrated our forefathers to these lands. Why? For monetary reasons. So note, Allah Ta'ala mentions here, Be just, that is nearer to taqwa. Meaning a person of taqwa always has this quality. And then Allah Ta'ala says again, Fear Allah, for Allah Ta'ala is well acquainted with all that you do. So where is the most excellent place to show other, even against your family? If your family is in the wrong and you go against them, that's other of the highest level. But there's a motto, we are with you, whether you are right or wrong, if you're from us. That's got nothing to do with Islam, that's Jailiyah. So note again, Allah Ta'ala mentions it here in verse 8. Verse 9. To those who believe and do deeds of righteousness, has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised forgiveness and a great reward? So now what's interesting, it's very hard to find a single verse in the Quran where Allah ta'ala only mentions success with Iman. Again and again, all over the place. So why is Allah Ta'ala put a condition with Iman, deeds of righteousness? Do you need to have deeds of righteousness to be successful? Isn't Iman enough? So here, was interesting. In Surah 52, Surah Tur, 
Surah 52 verse 19. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions there, <coughs> Eat and drink with profit because of your deeds. So Allah Ta'ala is talking about the people of paradise. And what does he say to them? Eat and drink because of your deeds. So now, what does that mean? Does that mean we need deeds to enter paradise? So Hafiz Mullah Ali Qali Rahmatullah in his Mirkat, in Sumri, what he said was, there are three things. The key to paradise is the Shahada, Iman. Then he said, entry into paradise is through mercy. Then he said, the ranks are divided amongst those regarding their deeds. So this is very important to highlight. So what does it mean? So people enter paradise. The key to paradise is the shahada, as is but obvious. But can you earn paradise? No. In Sayyid Bukhari, the Prophet said, nobody enters paradise through their deeds. So the Sahaba goes, not even you, Ya Rasulullah. He said, not even I, except by the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's explaining that you can't earn paradise, though you've got the key to it. Then he, Mullah Ali Qari rahmatullah said, both the ranks in paradise are due to the deeds. So when Allah Ta'ala is talking in the Quran and again and again, those who believe and do deeds of righteousness, He's encouraging you to go up the ranks. Uh, to go higher up the ranks into paradise. The martyr, what did the Prophet famously say? Paradise has, and he mentioned a hundred levels. The highest are reserved for the martyrs. That's a deed. So note, Deeds play a very important part in terms of belief. Why? Because some people think that once I've got Iman, I'm, I'm alright. And the response is, that's a not a correct understanding. These also help to strengthen your Iman. And sins also erode your Iman. So note again, the critical nature. That's why it's mentioned again and again. Verse 10. Those who disbelieve and deny our signs, will be the companions of the fire. So the opposite is mentioned. And Mullah Ali Qadi said, the key to hell, the eternity in hell, is unbelief. Then he said, that the levels of hell are reserved for the, depending upon the sins you've committed. Right? So note again, there's you know, clarification by the scholars. Verse 11, O you who believe, Call in remembrance the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unto you when certain men form the design to stretch out their hands against you. But they were held back their hands from you. So fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let the believers put their trust. So now here Allah ta'ala is mentioning an incident. He goes, remember the great favor I gave to you when I held back the hands of those who intended to harm you. So who's being referred to here? So, <coughs> there's a report. So this is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari, number 4135 to 6, Sayyid Muslim, number 843, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Ishaq, Al-Bidaya, Ibn Hisham, Al-Isab. Jabr radiyallahu, he relates, during our return journey from a campaign, 
the Muslims were feeling extremely fatigued and they decided to rest. As we dismounted, we scattered and everyone found a shade for himself under a tree. The picture is here. They exhausted after the campaign and it's probably the Kailula type after Zor. So they wanted some shade and the trees were obviously scarce. So anybody who could find the tree, they'd go on direct to get shade and they'd get some rest. The Prophet too sought the shade of a tree and he hung his sword by one of the branches. So Rasulullah himself got some shade and his own sword he put on the branch. Then we took a short nap. We were suddenly awoken by the Prophet's voice calling us. We rushed to him and we found a Bedouin sitting by his side. The Prophet said, This man took my sword as I slept. I awoke and I found him hovering over me with my sword. He then said to me, Who is now going to save you from me? I said, Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is by my side. The Prophet did not, however, take any action against the Bedouin, whose name was Ghawrath ibn Harith. So this is the report recorded in Bukhari and Muslim. So no mention of this verse. But there's another report. This is recorded in Abdul Razak 1-185, Ibn Kathir in his tafsir, Tabari in his tafsir 10-106, with a sahih chain of transmission. Zad al-Masih 2-308. Qatar ibn Ishaq then said this verse was revealed. And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? O believers, remember the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you when a people desired to stretch their hands towards you, but he prevented their hands from reaching you. This was revealed due to this incident. So now let's add a few details. So when was this incident? This occurred in the year 4 AH. So this was after the battle of Badr. This was after the battle of Uhud. This was after the incident of Banu Nadir. Secondly, why did the Prophet not feel any apprehension when the sword was his own sword was placed over him? Because Allah Ta'ala had promised to protect him. In Surah Maida, which will come to this verse where Allah Ta'ala says, I will protect you from mankind. So you get this impression that he was absolutely, he knew 110% he can't touch me. So that's the sign of Nabuat. There wasn't even a slight you actually detected, it's nothing. He didn't even get startled. And then the report, another report adds a detail. The man got startled. <coughs> so when he saw the calmness of the Prophet the Prophet's sword dropped out of his hand. <coughs> the Prophet then picked his own sword up and then he says, who's going to protect you from me? <laughs> and then the man then said, Oh Muhammad, he said, if you let me go, I promise I will not, you know, attempt anything like this or join anybody against you in future. And then the Prophet, when the, the companions came, the Prophet said, Allah, Allah, you know, he's protecting me. And he didn't do anything to that man. Ghawrath ibn Harith. So, Note, this is one reason for the revelation of this verse. However, there's another reason. 
So this is recorded in Tabari in his Tariq, uh, sorry, in his Tafsir 6-144-5 with the Sayyid chain of transmission. Ibn Ziyad and many others, they said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he went to Banu An-Nadir, this is a Jewish tribe, in order to ask them to help pay blood money on behalf of his companions. So what's happened? Blood money is when somebody has been killed and a tribe is helping to pay the money off for the death. So Rasulullah has gone to the Jewish tribe Banu An-Nadir for this reason, to help pay some blood money. For this purpose, he took along with him Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Talha, and Abdul Rahman ibn Elf. <laughs> so he's gone with six of the ten from his paradise to the Jews, Khilaf al-Rashidin, and two of the ten. On arrival, he said to them, <clears throat> help me to pay off blood money that has befallen me. The Jewish chieftain, he said, yes, Abu Qasim, sallallahu alayhi wa it is about time you came to us and asked for help. <laughs> so look how elegant they were. The Prophet is full of humility, still trying to bring him to Islam. That's probably why he went to them. And they're saying, it's about time. Because we know you needed our help. He says, it's a good job you've come to us. Then they said, sit down. We will feed you. And whilst you are fed, we will give you what you ask for. Rasulullah and his companions sat down waiting for the leaders of Banu Nadir to come with the money. <coughs> Meanwhile, the leader of Banu An-Nadir, the very man who said the words to the Prophet, so think about it, what did he say to the Prophet? It's about time you came to us. This will definitely help you. He will say, we'll give you something to eat. This same man, he said to his fellow Jews, you will never be closer to him than you are now. Drop a huge stone over him, kill him, and you will end the evil. So what did the Jewish chieftain say? He goes, look, this is the best opportunity we're going to get. There's only six with him. If only they knew who the six were, right? And he goes, and then he said, we can do it. We'll finish him. They betook themselves a huge handle. So now you need to explain this. What is that? This is a tool that consists of two circular stones, one placed on top of the other. So you get those grinders, you know, those two huge stones that would grind wheat. Very heavy, you know, durable. He goes, get that. And he goes, we will throw it upon him from a height when he's sitting, because we'll finish him. So they did it. So the Prophet sitting with his back to the wall, وسلم, with his companions, but Allah the Almighty and Glorious held back their hands until Jibreel came. So what happened? Either they couldn't pick it up. Think what's, what's happening? What's, you know, why can't we pick this up? Or they picked it up and they couldn't move. Whatever the case, something miraculous happened. Jibreel then came to the Prophet whilst this was happening and informed him. He goes, arise. Told them what they were intending to do. Rasulullah then left quickly with the companions and Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. Now look at the verse. Look how interesting. What does it explicitly say in the verse? Allah Ta'ala withheld their hands from you. So it's clearly mentioned what Allah Ta'ala did because I stopped them. 
in this manner, Allah Ta'ala informed Rasulullah what they wanted to do. So now, there's a problem. There's two reports. Bukhari and Muslim mentions the Bedouin incident with the sword. Though it doesn't mention the verse. But the authentic edition mentions the verse. Now you've got Banu and Nadir and the verse was revealed. So the scholars, they clarify. Refer to Tafsir al-Tabari 6-144-5. Because of the different accounts, the scholars have disagreed what prompted the revelation of this verse. Ibn Jarir rahmatullahi believed it was revealed in response to the Banu Nadir's plot to kill the Prophet He favored this second report. Why? Because it is strengthened by the fact that the next verses also discuss the Jews. Some of their infamous deeds, their betrayal of the prophets that were sent to them. So look at the context. In the next verse, Allah, what did he talk about? Bani Israel. And their covenant they made to Musa. So Ibn Jadid said, it's the second report. This is what the reason for the revelation was. Expressing agreement on Ibn Jadid's assessment of the matter, Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Al-Abid, he added, it is still possible that the noble verse was revealed after all those events so that the same revealed verse applies to all of those events equally as has been stated by the scholars. Refer to Hadith of Quran Al-Kareem and Ghazawat and Rasul 1-251. So whatever the case, between the two incidents, it was a very short period of time. Why? Banu and the deal was 4-A-H. The incident dropping the millstone upon the Prophet. And the Bedouin incident was the same year. So the scholar said it was so close, Allah revealed it, you know, to indicate both. So this is uh, the reason for the revelation here. So now just to add this, if you then turn to verse 12, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Allah did a four time take a covenant from the Bani Israel. Then what does he say? Subhanallah. Minhumuthni ashara naqiba. We appointed 12 chiefs amongst them. Now, why is that fascinating? <laughs> what did I mention yesterday about verse 7? <laughs> the 12 chiefs. In verse 7, Allah Ta'ala says, Call in remembrance the favor of Allah unto you and His covenant which He ratified with you when you said, We hear and we obey. That is about the pledge of Aqaba. And what did the hadith mention? 12 of them were appointed. By Jibreel, Allah Ta'ala said, these are the ones. Look how interesting. Verse 12, history playing itself. Allah Ta'ala aforetime took a covenant from the Bani Israel. We appointed 12 chiefs amongst them. So this is the beauty of the Quran. It's flowing. But without commenting, you don't know what's happening. Why is Allah Ta'ala talking about an incident that he's jumped to the Bani Israel? He's mentioning 12 chiefs. Who are these 12 chiefs? And the response is, this is the Qur'an. It's forcing you to focus. Right? So you understand why Allah Ta'ala is mentioning the sequence as it is. And also just to add, I should have mentioned. If you look at the end of verse 11, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He says, So fear Allah. And on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let the believers put their trust. Look how beautiful that is. Could they harm Rasulullah? No. 
he was obeying Allah Ta'ala 120%. The Sahaba were with him. So what does Allah Ta'ala say? If you do that, I'm with you. <laughs> you got nothing to worry about. So what is Allah Ta'ala clearly hinting to? If you obey me, the unbelievers will never have power over you. Never. He's hinting towards that. But disobedience is what causes Allah Ta'ala's help to go. And this is why if you look at Uhud, how strict was Allah Ta'ala with the companions? They made an error of judgment. One error. Allah Ta'ala's help went completely. Only protecting his beloved. 70 Sahaba got martyred. Right? So again, we living at the end of time, we are, you know, Allah Ta'ala is more merciful to us. But it's disobedience that weakens us. So I'll decide the verses. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا قوامين لله شهداء بالقسط ولا يجرمنكم شنآن قوم على الله تعدلوا اعدلوا هو أقرب للتقوى واتقوا الله إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ وَأَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَكَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا أُولَئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلِيكُمْ إِذْ هَمَّ قَوْمٌ أَنْ يَبْسُطُوا أَنْ يَبْسُطُوا إِلَيْكُمْ أَيْدِيَهُمْ فَكَفَّ أَيْدِيَهُمْ عَنْكُمْ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Nabiya of our hearts. We pray to Almighty Allah Subhanallah <laughs>